From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, folks, you know, before we get started and dive into today's show, which is going to be really fun, a couple of quick notes. If you are on the East Coast and you're in the path of the massive Hurricane Irma, please, please listen to all the local authorities. Take shelter, do whatever you have to do. It looks really big and kind of scary. So um, please listen to those folks. Don't try and be a hero and, and ride out a hurricane. And it's been a week or so plus. I know there's a lot of craziness in the news every single day. If you are able, please help the folks um, who are impacted by Hurricane Harvey. They are going to be bailing out for, unfortunately, a very long time, and, and that'll probably impact the folks in, in the Southeast and the East Coast as well. So if you're able to to help out, uh, whether it's now or in a couple of weeks, uh, it will be very much greatly appreciated by all those folks. One of the things that we get all the time on this show is people always ask, hey, can you dig into certain topics all the time? And one of the topics that comes up uh, more and more for us is, can you go dig into Google Cloud? Can you tell us, you know, what are they doing? They, you know, they're they're cranking out a lot of new services all the time. They're getting involved with open source. They're, you know, they're working a lot of things. And we thought, well, okay, th- that's an easy enough thing to do. We will call our friends over at the Google Cloud Podcast. We'll call Mark and Francesc and, and we'll invite them on the show, number one, and we'll tell them to, like they do every week. If you're not listening to their show, go listen to it, but uh, bring some of the very smart Google folks with them. So very excited today to have both Hen Goldberg, who is Director of Engineering for the Kubernetes and Container Projects over at Google, as well as Mark Mandel, who is developer advocate and co-host of the Google Cloud Podcast. So Hen and Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Great to have you both on. Like I said, it's... Kind of doesn't do us justice in 30 minutes to talk about all the good things going on uh, at Google and on Google Cloud. And, and folks, if you don't listen to Mark's show, go listen to it. It's fantastic. It's one of Aaron and I's favorites. Um, Thank you. But, but we thought we would talk about not only some of the cool things going on in the cloud, but really dive into Kubernetes a little bit, which uh, I know is is really kind of top of mind for a lot of our listeners. So you know, first and foremost, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about your background, the things that you work on, so people get to know you a little bit. So I'm a, an engineer. I started my career in the Israeli army, uh, which is actually interesting because my charter was to solve problems very similar to what we are doing with Kubernetes. Uh, but unfortunately, the technology wasn't there, so it was much harder. Uh, but it was uh, about helping people run uh, many type of workloads on the same hardware uh, while keeping developers uh, productive. And that was my charter. And I've done that uh, for seven years. And then I uh, retired from the service uh, and I joined uh, Mercury Interactive, which was uh, one of the leading companies uh, as application uh, performance management software solutions. Uh, And again, focusing on on developers and developers tools. Uh, This is something that I personally like building product uh, that I'm a subject matter expert for them. And as part of that process, I found out that I always prefer to use open source technologies. And, you know, I was, I was doing more things and I was working on more products. And then a couple of years ago, I said that I want to work on an open source technology and build products around that because I, I'm a real believer of the power of the community and the pace of innovation. And hopefully we will touch that as well. And I joined Google to do exactly that, build an amazing open source technology, building Kubernetes, and also providing an amazing experience on Google Cloud Platform with a Google Container Engine. Yeah, very cool. And and obviously, if you've got background, having been in the Israeli army, you have deep knowledge and appreciation of security. And, and like you said, building, building around complicated problems and so forth. So excited that you're working on the Kubernetes 
project because it's a space that needs great security and solving difficult problems. Mark, you know, I know for myself listening to the show every week, you, you're a little bit like us. You get exposed to a little bit of everything, but what are you focused on these days in terms of, you know, GCP evangelism and projects and so forth? Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I joined, yeah, I joined Google about two and a half years ago as a developer advocate. So for people who aren't familiar with that role, I kind of make sure that you get the best tools you can, or at least both telling you about them as well as um, so that you know whether or not, you know, they're a good fit for you and give you good stories around those, but also internally telling people like, hey, this thing's good or this thing's bad and being able to represent the wider community. Uh, These days, actually, I tend to focus more on the games community, backends for multiplayer games and stuff like that. And it's been really interesting because a lot of the stuff that I've been doing for, I don't know, 15 years or so, and like building software and now more into the DevOps space and the container space and Kubernetes, which we're talking about today, has actually quite easily translated across. Customizability and some of the tooling we have at GCP and open source has been really, really, really a good fit uh, in those spaces because we've built some kind of cool stuff um, yeah. that we're going to talk about today, actually. It makes me very excited. Yeah, and, and obviously you're doing things with, I mean, like one of the most popular things that you talk about, like at the Google Next conference is, is all the work that's been going on with Pokemon Go, which is like this great Venn diagram mm-hmm. inter- intersection of games and Kubernetes and scale. And that's very, very cool. I know your partner, Francesc, is a, is a Go enthu- oh, yes. enthusiast is probably too too narrow of a word, but uh, very much so. yeah, huge on the Go side of things. So yeah, definitely. Why don't we dive in a little bit with Kubernetes, but we'll kind of bounce around a little bit. And I'll ask you kind of as the product manager, the product owner, where do you see Kubernetes today? It's at, you know, release 1.7, 1.8 is going to come out any day. It's couple of years. And like you guys mentioned on your show last week, I think with Tim Hawken, you know, over 2000 plus developers as a product manager, how do you look at it in terms of maturity these days? Do you feel like it's getting pretty stable or do you feel like it's still early days or is it kind of depend on what people want to do with it? Yes, that, that's a good question. Uh, and I think that the numbers of adoption speaks to it, to it the best. So I'm not remember exactly what we, uh, what was the source of that recent survey that showed that I don't know, it was 60 or so percent of the containerized workloads are being orchestrated by Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. And I think what helped with that is that while we say this is Kubernetes is new and it's a, a new technology, but actually it is not. So the, the founding team of Kubernetes have been doing that for over 10 years right. internally in Google. So we brought many of our learnings, right? some of the good things uh, that we've done internally in Google, but also the things had to improve on. And we also, you know, Kubernetes was built as a technology and in a mindset of, of a platform, uh, which allows it to actually innovate very fast and we can get the help of the ecosystem. So what I've seen right now is that I think that many customers are having a hard time even to keep up with all the innovation. You know, I was at CoreOS Fest several months ago and there was a panel there and I kept hearing the word simplicity with Kubernetes. How simple <laughs> Kubernetes is and how easy it is to use and how once you understand the principles, and the, then everything is easy. And I was I was happy because we've been investing a lot, many inv- much investment from Google people, for example, with writing amazing docs mm-hmm. and, and creating a lot of training. And we have great partners in the system, in the ecosystem, doing that. So I I feel that definitely for the operators. The ops persona, Kubernetes is is stable, easy to use, 
get things done and people see the benefit. And, and by the way, you can see it all the time. There was, I think, the, a recent uh, post from GitHub that explained how they, that helped them, how Kubernetes helped them to get things done faster. Uh, and the area where we are still, we're relying a lot on the communities uh, around developer experience. And this is where we invest in extensibility and we hope uh, people will create, for example, more operators on top of Kubernetes, which is a way uh, to introduce new objects to Kubernetes and, and treat them uh, in a native way, CI/CD and, and other tools. Even now, you see more of, for example, running all type of workloads. Right. A year ago, it was just stateless, but now you run everything on Kubernetes. I see the same thing. I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, Kubernetes basically sort of has Google DNA built in. Like you said, it, it comes from, from years of experience with Borg. I see... People love the fact that over the last year and a half, the types of applications you can run on top of Kubernetes has, has expanded a lot, right? You know, stateful types of applications, clustered applications, and so forth. And I mean, just the fact that now every, almost every couple of days, we see either a major vendor or a major cloud provider or a major SI you know, saying, hey, we're going all in on Kubernetes is pretty amazing. We always we always like to say, look, I don't like to call winners in the technology game because it's this evolving thing all the time, but it's definitely got the bulk of the momentum, especially, you know, for operators, cloud providers, and so forth. Mark, what do you hear on the developer side of things? Because it's getting developers to care sometimes about underlying mm. infrastructure things is sometimes challenging or just getting them to sort of, you know, change development patterns. What are you hearing when you talk to developers about Kubernetes or even containers and... Yeah. Yeah, no, this has been a, a super interesting space that I've, I guess I've been involved with the last couple of years. There was there was definitely a time, I think maybe two years ago, where it was like, oh, have you heard of Docker? And people were like, yeah, 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 I've heard of the thing. And then you'd be like, what about Kubernetes? And they'd say, what, bless you? Right. Um, <laughs> you'd have to sort of be like, okay, but these days there's definitely a shift. Like, you know, I, I, come, I commonly, you know, sort of ask the question when I talk about Kubernetes, like who uses this or who's using this production? And, and the number of hands that go up in a room is raised so dramatically, it's quite crazy. And it's definitely become... And almost reverse where it's sort of like, it used to be I'd go out and be like, let me talk to you about Kubernetes. And they'd be like, why do I need this? I don't care. Whereas now people are coming to us and they're saying, look, we want to use Kubernetes or we're building a company and it's like we've started a whole new thing and this is the place we want to start from. We've heard great things. Tell us about what's being used. So there's there's a definite shift in, in that aspect for sure. And, and I think you did a great episode a couple of weeks ago, like I said, with, with Tim Hawken, who's one of the kind of original creators of Kubernetes. But you guys just barely touched on it, but there are some very cool things coming that are going to allow you know third parties to start building customized features, customized APIs, and and a lot more things that I think are going to start to take Kubernetes in a direction that's going to allow it to be more developer friendly, more specific for certain verticals and so forth. That right now, you know, up till now, just hadn't really been a focus, and not as a, a negative, but just you know, you got to get through certain certain things first and foremost. And I think that's really important. You're, you you can't see me nodding my head, but I'm, I'm <laughs> nodding my head. This is um. This is something for me that I get really excited about. Um, I think Kubernetes, I can remember even back in when it first sort of started, it was sort of like, we're going to build the things that suit like 80% of the stuff that most people need to do out of the box. And I did a great job of that, I feel. You know, stateless web apps and just like sort of getting things up and running, deployments, things like that. The stuff that's in the pipeline now around like, uh, Hen's talking about operators and like custom resource definitions, stuff I'd nerd out about and probably go way too in the weeds on, I think is super exciting because you can walk in and be like, all right, I need to build like the basic stuff that I'm really used to, you know, running HTTP services, stuff like that. But then when I sort of dig into like 
these are very particular things that I need to build exact workloads from or have like deep control over exactly what's happening with my containers in my cluster. All those hooks are there for me to be able to do that in some really interesting creative ways and stuff that means that you can really have tight control over exactly what happens to your cluster. So the sort of control you have over thousands of machines that are either running like on-premises or in the cloud or both, kind of insane and if you think about the sort of stuff that you would have had to build yourself to do exactly the same thing maybe five years ago or even sooner. Right. Go ahead. If I can add to that, I think it's it's not just about uh, developer experience. You said uh, the winning technology. And, and I don't like to see Kubernetes as winning because I know Kubernetes right now is very successful, but we need to think how we make it sustainable. Uh, and I find that those uh, extension mechanisms are our path to do that uh, because the innovation will continue to happen all the time. Uh, and as much as we can make sure that from architecture perspective we have different it's it's a modular system that you can uh, plug different components i think this is what makes any platform something that can be sustainable for a long time you know i I tell sometimes engineers on on my team you know fyi at some point everything you write will go away Hmm. and you need to be ready for that right Right. because this is something that's something good that is happening in tech that everything uh, continue to evolve and we have better solutions all the time so i see it like a like a living thing and the extensibility part is both for the developer but also something we're investing for uh, different vendors by creating those open standards for example so having a, a good interface for network and storage, making sure that the success of Kubernetes is sustainable and people can make decisions. They will be able to move forward and not be stuck. No, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. It, you know, you're, you, at some point you want to make the things that today are pretty exciting, pretty boring, and then they become stable and you work on the, on the newer things. That actually leads me into what I wanted to talk about next with you is you have an interesting role in that you, you kind of have to wear two hats. You lead the the Google engineering team, but you're also, you know, if anybody's been to KubeCon, uh, you, you've been very, very uh, visible there as well. How does, how does Google, because Kubernetes isn't by any means the first kind of visible open source project that might be Android, but how is Google managing having the Google Cloud Platform, which is a commercial entity and growing and successful, but also managing Kubernetes as an open project and kind of figuring out you know, how do we make both of them successful? How do you, how do you wear both those hats? Or That's a great question. Probably we can have a <laughs> talk, for- talk for hours just on that. And I actually treat it as if we wear one hat. Okay. And two hats. The goal of, of the team and, and definitely GCP is that we want to make sure Kubernetes runs anywhere. And, and the reason for that is that we know that customers are adopting containers and they need some kind of a technology already when they are running things on-prem, for example. So uh, in our mind, uh, and you know, and you can have seen some several uh, partnership we've done, Kubernetes must run anywhere. Okay, this is a requirement. This is, from my perspective and GCP in general, this is the path for success also for GCP. So the idea is that I want to make sure that workloads are portable and that everybody can use that and it can be supported, the majority of workloads. And within GCP, uh, we have this, uh, the idea of open cloud. So we don't want, we want to make sure that our users uh, have the freedom of choice. Uh, so yes, everything will work well with TechDriver, but even TechDriver, the monitoring solution will allow you to integrate other monitoring solutions into it and also into your uh, Google Container Engine cluster. And that's something very important and it's something that you see it in the culture 
and how we build Google Cloud Platform. I think, you know, it's, we can talk a lot about managing open source uh, technologies, but specifically with Kubernetes, what we had in mind is building both a tool and a platform. And this is where we need the community. It's, it's important to get the feedback. It's important to, to see uh, the ecosystem build into that gap. So our goal is to uh, reduce fragmentation. Yeah, I know for my, for my day job, uh, you know, I work on the team that works on uh, OpenShift and Kubernetes at Red Hat. And I know they've been incredibly amazed at, at how open the, the Kubernetes team at Google has been about, you know, sharing where they want to go, taking input and so forth. And so, you know, I can speak firsthand that they're managing it very, very well. And, and the fact that the community has grown so well is because, you know, unlike some other projects in the past, the, the Google team has been very open to saying, look, this is a this is a community driven thing. If it was only driven by Google, you know, you're never going to, like you said, reach that goal of, of Kubernetes running everywhere. So um, it's definitely happening. And important to say, it's not just engineering, right? Uh, it's true I'm managing the engineering team, but you can see it in all cross functions uh, within Google. If it's like tech writers and product management and product marketing and test engineers, we really are supporting Kubernetes as if it was a product uh, with the goal to be pervasive as much as possible. Mark, let me let me ask you this, and this is it's going to be a little bit of a of a weird question, but when I've had when I've had a chance to talk to to folks from Google, and it's been for the last three or four years through various things, Next and, and other stuff. Sometimes there's you'll talk to folks who have been writing code at, at Google or working on development projects, you talk about it and you're building stuff at Google is this amazing experience. You just have all these tools available to you and, and it scales. And and then it's got to be a little weird when you go out and talk to non-Google people out in the community because you're now exposing a lot of these things to them. Is it Does it take a while to get used to people saying like, oh, I wish we had all the tools that you gave us or we just, we don't do things that way? Or I mean, is it like, how does, how are you managing that sort of like inside of Google, the rest of the world type of, type of interaction? That's a super interesting question. I've never been like I've never been a software engineer inside Google. I've okay. always done developer relations. Yeah. So while I'm very aware of what tools we have internally, I've never actually used them. Okay. Um, so that's kind of fun. I think with the stuff I've seen, like I know when I mean, we have multiple open source projects. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up which name it is. Um, so we've got Kubernetes. We've got the build tool, which I've totally blanked on which name is internal, which one's public. Basil. Thank you. Uh, that was what I was trying to think of. We've got a few things like that, but it's a pick and choose environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to tie all the things together. And I think that's a, an excellent choice. And so that means then that if you're coming to say Kubernetes or something like that, and, and we're like, hey, this is how we build clusters inside Kubernetes or inside Google, like this is sort of the lessons we've learned. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take the whole stack. I think also the interesting part, and, and Ken touched on this in sort of the Kubernetes, and you, you touched on it with the relationship with Red Hat, is we've also come to the project of Kubernetes with like, this is how we build stuff inside Google. But we've also invited so many other enterprise partners, you mentioned Red Hat, um, a variety of other things, contributors to like a ridiculous amount such that it's also been a lot of other people coming to the table and being like, hey, listen, this is how we build uh, software. It isn't just how Google builds our software. So there's been a lot of external communication inside the project and a lot of external influence to direct it in ways that means that it's not necessarily just biased to the way we build software and we've always built software, which I think is hugely important and speaks to the success of the project. Obviously, we've all heard about what Pokemon Go and and that project is doing on, on 
on GKE. But a question I get a lot from people is, are there boring things that are running on GKE or are there what people would call boring projects that are running on, on GCP? Do, do you get input as to kind of the use cases that are driving things? And Well, first of all, none of them are boring. Uh, <laughs> that sounds right. I have to say it. And actually, it, it's not. I mean, uh, what you see today, the technology helps any business do some kind of transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it a lot with uh, the retail and their online presence, for example. This is an important thing that they all invest in uh, with their transformation. I can share, for example, I've been reviewing the KubeCon proposals, the Cloud Native Con proposal uh, for the coming conference in Austin. Everybody won in, whatever they're doing. If it's, you know, Java application, they're breaking them to microservices. And I'm sure in Red Hat, you see that as well. Mm-hmm. Any use case, because at the foundation, like the, the benefit are critical for everybody. Talking about developer productivity, talking, talking, talking about pace of innovation, any application or service needs that. So I'm happy to see that we have customers from all segments. Maybe some will consider some of them are doing boring stuff, but for their companies, those are not boring stuff. They are actually allowing them to compete better. I like to hear that. I didn't mean to sort of throw that out there as a gotcha. I think people sometimes can get overwhelmed in knowing the scope that Google is able to do the services that we all use every single day, maps and, and Android and, and Gmail and all those things. And, and maybe sometimes they feel like, would I be bringing something that would be worth having the, the ability to get at all these resources? So it's good to hear that you're not only seeing that on the on the KubeCon side in terms of people wanting to talk about Java application as opposed to something you know really new, but also you're seeing that from a commercial perspective as well. You mentioned that one of the goals that you have is, is sort of Kubernetes everywhere. One of the features that's being developed around Kubernetes and is still kind of new, but has got people really excited is this idea of a federation. I know people kind of have different ideas of what federation might mean, whether that's connecting your own data center to Google's data center or you know multiple public clouds or, you know, what what am I going to be able to do? Can you give us a snapshot of, of where Federation is today? And Yes, sure. And Kelsey Hightower, I think he had a, a great keynote on this topic at the last KubeCon in Berlin right? on the state of Federation. And, most of, and many of what I'm going to speak about is actually in the open. So within the Kubernetes community, we have something that is called SIGs, which is a special interest groups, mm-hmm. uh, which group people together according to a topic they are working on together from different companies. And something that the SIG Federation went through in the last couple of months, it was actually a kind of a rebranding exercise, I would say, to multi-class. Okay. And the reason for that is that we see customers and, and users of Kubernetes, they need to deal with multi-cluster environments for various reasons. If it's from a geolocality, from a high availability perspective, uh, just because they want uh, maybe a, a best of breed or because they still have some of their applications and workloads wor- working on-prem and some one of the clouds on GCP. And then they have different type of problem with that environment. So the goal of that, of that team right now is to identify those problems and solve them one by one. So some of that will be, for example, a load balancing uh, between multiple clusters. I think that what we've seen deployment, you can do it already uh, using uh, changing kubectl uh, content, for example, uh, but maybe talking about different policies across multiple clusters. So I think that will continue and evolve into that direction and really focusing on a user need and what are the use cases uh, we need to solve. And I think this is, again, brings me to another important point when I think about Kubernetes. Uh, and why I think it is there was a tweet recently uh, something like uh, open source is not a product Uh, it's true that open source technology is not a product but I think that when managing it with some practices uh, as 
if it was a product and really focusing on what customers needs today and in the future, that helps, helps us to focus. So this is exactly what the SIG uh, multi-cluster is doing right now. I, I think you hit on a lot of kind of really important points there. Uh, you know, the for folks that, that don't follow Kubernetes all the time, the concept of SIG is, you know, all these sort of special groups that are focused on a lot of the different subcategories. So if you're interested in applications or federation or high availability or lots of things, it's definitely a place if you want to get involved to go dig deeper into it. I think the fact that the federation folks have sort of said, you know, let, let's make sure we don't completely oversell this concept or overpromise this concept. And then people go, oh, it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted, the way it showed up in a PowerPoint slide or something. I think that's smart. It, it allows them to give people tangible things uh, incrementally and and then as use cases you know real use cases come along i think it's is really important and then i i think the last thing you touched on which is equally as important is you know a lot of open source projects are just sort of that they're just projects and they don't necessarily have a thought process as to how people are going to eventually use them. Kubernetes has, has become this really interesting use case because there's probably as much usage of Kubernetes delivered as a cloud service where you don't really think about it as a product, you just use it. But at the same time, it does have to have enough discipline to say, if somebody wants to take it and make it into software that you can install and run in your own data center or on top of GCP or, or anywhere, like it needs enough discipline to, to say, okay, it was put together the right way, I can install it and so forth. So hearing you say all those things is really, really, it's really powerful. I think it, it it speaks to the guidance that, that Google has been giving to this and, and bringing a lot of that Borg expertise. Mark, let me bring you back into this. I want to ask a question maybe and get off the, the Kubernetes stuff a little bit. You know, one of the great things about your show is you guys talk about, uh, not only do you talk about a lot of different topics, but you get a chance to bring on a lot of very, very smart people, uh, both from, from Google, uh, outside of Google. I mean, do you have a couple of topics lately that, that have really been sort of piquing your interest in terms of whether they're technologies or trends or anything like that? Ooh, that's a, that's a fun question. It's a loaded question. So many, Which one's your so favorite many, child? So yeah. many favorites. Where do I go? So we are talking about Kubernetes. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention the episode we did with John Wilkes, who is one of the people who have uh, their name on the Borg paper at Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually talked to him specifically about his history working with Borg, how Borg sort of transitioned, the ideas behind Borg and how that transitioned transitioned into uh, Kubernetes and the stuff like that. I've had a huge nerd crush on John Wilkes for a really long time. Yeah, that <laughs> so episode sitting was in a room with him was, for me, like one of my sort of dreams, absolutely. Oh man, so many. Recently, uh, Greg DeMichelli, he came on the podcast as well, which was great. He is part of the office of the CTO, so a very different part of Google. He talks to enterprise companies at a large level. Greg has had a extensive career working with a variety of enterprise companies, so his perspective on transition to the cloud, especially for large companies and how they do it, I found particularly compelling. Um, and he has a really interesting perspective. He's almost like the developer advocate for enterprise. It, right. it's, it's super, super, super cool. Obviously, Hen, we had her on the podcast. Um, she's great. I, I definitely want to mention her, considering we're on the same topic together. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could probably go on for ages. Uh, members of our team, um, we've got an episode coming out today with one of my teammates, or one of our teammates, I should say, uh, Melanie Warwick, just even just talking about the differences between AI and machine learning. Um, that's such a weird and wonderful space where things change so drastically all the time that, you know, we're really just sort of even just talking about the philosophical difference of it. What does it mean for computing and like deep knowledge and learning? And like, does this mean the robot overlords are coming anytime soon or does it like not? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of fun stuff in there. We talk about all sorts of good stuff. I can't recommend their show highly enough. I It's it's called the Google Cloud Podcast. Um, Thank you. By any means, you know, you guys definitely talk about a segment on sort of favorite service of the week, questions from, from audience, but it's a great show in that 
there are plenty of episodes. If you just want to nerd out about some topic and go deep on it, like you're going to get some of those and you're going to get others where it's like, cool, here's, here's the latest thing about how to build serverless apps on Firebase and, you know, build a, a sweet mobile app or something. So really nice variety, not hundred percent Google. If you're, you know, just kind of interested in the technology and, and you and Frances make it, uh, make it always fun and interesting and, and so <laughs> forth. So listen, uh, I'm going to wrap it up with that. Uh, we could probably talk about a lot of these topics as we mentioned for, for a couple of hours, but, uh, we're doing a podcast so we'll keep it short i guess last thing what's a what's a good place for folks to either you know reach out to you um find what your teams are working on find where uh you know you might be out and about i know you're always out um you know talking you're at events you're speaking and so forth what's what's a good place for people to reach out to either one of you definitely for for me personally the kubernetes team they're on twitter on slack just on github i mean we have where, where we manage a project uh, as a whole i think so far we've proved to be very uh, approachable and happy to engage with anyone on, on interesting topics. Yeah, similarly, yeah, if you want to find me, probably Twitter is the best way to do it. I'm at Neurotic, which is a 2006 <laughs> handle that is a mainstay from IRC back in the 90s. But yeah, definitely follow me on there. I'm also generally around on the GCP Slack as well if you want to ping me directly. Very or cool. DMs are open on Twitter too, so I don't mind. Well, listen, both of you, thanks so much for the conversation today. I, I think we uh, we've dived into a lot of things, and I think more importantly, we we got a little bit of insight into you know what goes on in in the big in the big Google, and um, it's great to know that there's a lot of very very smart people that are thinking about this in in terms of big picture, big DNA, and so forth. So thanks for being on, folks. For that, uh, I'm going to wrap it up uh, for Han and for Mark. Uh, thanks for being on the show, and for Aaron, who should be on next week. We will thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.